Well, good morning again. It's great to see all of you here this morning. And I know we've got folks watching online, so good morning to you as well. Um, I bet if I was to uh, ask this morning what you think contributes to living a long and healthy life, we'd have some different answers. Uh, I wonder if some of us, I mean, I know we've got some younger people here, some teenagers, some college-age students who probably are thinking, I'm not even thinking about that stuff. But when you get, you know, a little bit older, like me in your late 30s, you start to think, you know, um, how, you know, what can I do to prolong my life, to make sure I live and stay healthy? So uh, some might say, well, the key is a good diet. You've got to make sure that you eat the right things. Maybe, uh, maybe someone here this morning would say, well, I've chosen to live a vegetarian lifestyle, and uh, your meals look more like this uh, each time you get to eat. Um, I can assure you my meals don't very rarely look like that, unfortunately. They have a lot more meat and potatoes than that. But some might say exercise. That's the key, and it seems to be working for this lady. I think she's probably in her 80s, and she appears to be deadlifting uh, over 100 pounds there. So she's obviously living a pretty uh, good exercise-filled lifestyle, helping prolong her life. Or maybe this older lady has figured out the real key to living a long life. Her trip to the gym looks just a little bit different than her friends there. But hey, if that's the key to longevity... Do you know, I'm, I'm talking about this because I came across this study uh, that was done around the world. These researchers, they found pockets of places, they called them blue zones, these different places around the world where people were just living longer. Where on average, the people in this community just seems to be living longer, healthier lifestyles than everyone else in the world. So they decided to study these communities to find out what it was. One of the places where this was happening was Icaria, Greece. Uh, it turns out that this particular area has some of the world's lowest rates of middle-aged mortality and dementia. So a lot of people living long lives in this place, a lot of people uh, not dealing with some of the uh, sicknesses we get as we get older. Um, another place they found was Sardinia in Italy. Uh, they found that Sardinia had the world's highest concentration of centenarian men which I believe is men living to be 100. Highest concentration of men uh, living to be 100 in the world found in Sardinia, Italy. Now, they say it has a lot to do with the location's low-protein diets, high vegetable and healthy fat intakes, lower amounts of dairy and meat products. But I don't know about you, when I look at these two places... Uh, I think I would live a long time if I lived there. I mean, they're beautiful right there on the Mediterranean. Who wouldn't want to just keep living and living if you lived there? But you know what surprised me the most about this study is that number three on their list happens to be a community in America, in the United States of America. And I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting there to be a, a place somewhere in America where people were living longer than the national average. But there was. It was a small community in California. And the researcher determined that the reason this particular community was seeing greater than average lifespans was their heavy population of a particular religious movement that lived there that took the Sabbath very seriously. It turns out that this particular group of people live on average 10 years longer than the American life expectancy of about 79 years. The researcher said that some of this they attribute to the fact that this particular group of people, they eat a plant-based diet. They have a social network that reinforces the right behavior. But one of the main reasons they concluded 
was that they take this idea of Sabbath very seriously. And this leads to the decompressing of stress in their lives. Dan Bettner, who conducted the study, he said this about this particular group out there in California. About 84% of healthcare dollars are spent because of bad food choices, inactivity, and unmanaged stress. And they, these people, they have these cultural ways of managing stress through their Sabbath. Over the last few weeks, we've been examining the idea of, of hurry our busyness in our lives and the negative effect it can have upon our health, upon our family dynamics, and, and probably most importantly for us here this morning, gathered here um, to look into the things of God, to pursue spiritual things, how hurry and business can rob us from experiencing God fully in our lives. A famous pastor by the name of Dallas Willard, he once said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. This quote actually became the foundation for a book written by another pastor, an author named John Mark Comer. This book was titled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's the book that our series is based upon. Now, funnily enough, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, and when I kicked off this series, there was a gentleman here who tends to connect, a friend of mine, who was so intrigued by this that he purchased the book. He got the audio book. And each Sunday when I see him, he tells me where he's at and how much more of the book he's read, and, and he's now finished the book. So imagine how that is for me now, teaching on a Sunday morning, and he's read the book. Because have you ever been to see a movie and you've read the book? The movie's never as good as the book, is it? So he sat here listening to me going, yeah, it's, it's okay, but it's not as good as the book. So I'm trying as best I can to, to present what this author uh, found in this book. And he identifies a few practices that we've been looking at over these last few weeks to establish what he calls a better rule of life. If you can put these practices into your life, they will establish what's, what's known as a rule of life, something that will help us live a more full and enriched life. If you've missed the last few weeks, I'll catch you up real quickly. Week one, we talked about solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. The idea that we should be intentional at creating space in our week for some time, just for some solitude and silence. For some of us, it might be sitting in a chair and it's very reflective. You know, maybe we pray or read the Bible at that time. Others will go for a walk and maybe listen to some worship music. But there's an intentionality in saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get away from people. I'm gonna get away from the business of my life. I'm gonna close my laptop and I'm gonna choose to pursue some solitude and some silence for the sake of my soul. Last week, I talked about the idea of simplicity. Simplicity, the idea that sometimes we, we fill our lives with so much stuff. And so much of this stuff needs so much of our time to keep it running and to keep it moving. And we get busy and busy. And, and this stuff gets in the way of our relationship with God. Because it keeps us busy. We're hurrying to, to keep this stuff moving. And, and sometimes the idea of simplicity is just looking at our stuff and saying, you know, maybe I need to, to trim some of this stuff. Maybe I need to get rid of some of this stuff. Maybe I need to simplify some areas in my life to free up some time that I can spend with God or with my family. And now this morning, we're learning that another great way to eliminate hurry in our lives 
is if we would choose to practice Sabbath. If we would make it a priority in life, say, I'm going to practice Sabbath. Now, I'm guessing that most of you are familiar with this word, but you may not fully understand what it means. So it, it finds its roots in the, um, the Hebrew tradition. It goes back in history to the people of Israel. And um, the, the Hebrew word itself is Shabbat. Shabbat, so that's the Hebrew word for Sabbath. And what the word literally means is to stop. So that Hebrew word Shabbat, which we translate Sabbath, it just it means to stop. So the Sabbath is simply a day to stop, to stop working, to stop wanting, to stop worrying, just to stop. And I discovered that um, the Hebrew word itself, Shabbat, it can also mean to delight. It has a dual meaning, to stop and to delight. So, so to the, um, the Jews, the people of Israel, they, they see this word Sabbath, Shabbat, and they think, man, this is a time where we stop and we delight. We delight in who God is. We delight in seeing the evidence of him in our lives and in this world. And we can find its concept, the concept of Sabbath and resting and stopping, we can find it all the way back in the creation story. Right the way back at the beginning of the Bible, if you had a Bible here today, you could open it on page one, you'd be in Genesis chapter one, and the first chapter we read would be the, the narrative, the story of how God was involved in the creation of the universe, and the heavens and the earth, and the seas, and the mountains, and uh, animals, and mankind, and it's a wonderful story of how God was involved in creating all that we know, and then as chapter one comes to an end, listen to how chapter two begins, Genesis chapter two, verse one. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Do you know what's interesting? I don't know if you caught that there. When you read Genesis 1, you, you see a couple of times that God chooses to bless what he sees in creation. You can read that God blessed the animals when he created them. When he created man, he blessed man. But the only day of the seven, the only day that he chose to bless was this day of rest. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. And let's be clear here about what's going on in this day of rest. God's just finished creating, and now he's choosing to take a day to rest. I, I, I belong to a gym. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not. It's called CrossFit. Maybe I've mentioned it. Maybe I haven't. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I attend this gym three times a week. I go three times a week because if I went five times a week, I would literally die. Uh, but I can just about handle three times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I show up really early in the morning. And when we get there, uh, there's a whole schedule. We start out with some stretches and then we do some warm-ups. And then finally, we kind of work towards, uh, we close out the morning by doing a specific workout. And each one's different. Sometimes they're like five or six minutes, sometimes they're 15 minutes, but they're always different. And they always involve things like burpees, lifting weights, jumping rope, uh, running, throwing a ridiculously heavy ball up in the air against a wall. I mean, it's just ridiculous, some of the stuff we do. But uh, there'll normally be a collection of some of these things, and, and off we go. The clock's ticking, we're doing this. And there are some mornings, now let's be honest, there are many mornings where when the clock finally stops and I'm finished with the workout, I just collapse. 
I sit down on the floor or I sit down on a box and I'm just drinking some water. I'm exhausted. I've got my watch on that tracks my heartbeat and it's at that point where it's like flashing saying you should really call an ambulance at this point. I mean, that's how fast my heart is beating and I just can do nothing. I'm just spent, I'm completely exhausted. And then finally, I see the numbers start to go down. My heart rate starts to head back towards the normal zone and I find a little bit more energy coming back and, and then I can get up and I can put stuff away. But, but there's normally a good two or three minutes where I'm just sitting there exhausted. That's not what happened here in creation. It's not like the beginning of Genesis 2 happened because God is there thinking, I am exhausted. I've made kangaroos and Jupiter and rainforests and penguins and I'm out of breath. I've got to stop. <laughs> it's not because God was exhausted, not because he needed the rest. God made a conscious decision to set into the rhythm of our universe a time of rest, a rhythm of rest, a pause after the work. So the creation story literally creates this pattern of work and rest. And if it's something that God followed, how much more should we follow this? God created time for work and he created time for rest. So why is it that we have no problem finding time to work and stay busy and, and hurry? But we struggle, don't we, sometimes to find time for good quality rest. So not only did God model this, he then commanded it. God made this a commandment. Some of you probably remember in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Moses. Moses was a great leader and uh, famous for many different things. But one of the things that we know of Moses is there was a time out in the wilderness, he's le leading the people of Israel, and he goes up this mountain and has this encounter with God. And he comes back down to, to share with the people what God has spoken to him about. And he brings with him these two tablets of stone. And on these two tablets are carved out Ten commandments, ten rules, ten instructions that God has given Moses to share with the people of Israel, saying, if you'll follow these ten rules, you will be a good society, you'll be a good people. These are good guidelines for you as a people to follow, for you as my people to follow. We're going to look at those ten right now, and I've, I've kept one off deliberately, so we'll look at nine of them first. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You should honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So don't lie. And you shall not covet. And even though these were instructions that God gave to Moses thousands of years ago, they've stood the test of time. I think all of us today would say, no, those, those are some good rules to live by. I think it's good to live in a society where we're not murdering, where we're not lying and stealing. These are good standards, instructions to have. But now let's look at the one I left off. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That was up there. That was one of the 10. God said, I want you to have a day of rest. I want you to have a Sabbath day. And it's so important that I'm gonna put it up with all the other nine important ones. And it's crazy, isn't it? Because 2,000 years later, we look at these and I wonder, as followers of Jesus, if we think of the Sabbath differently than the others. Because think about it. 
you're a follower of Jesus here this morning and someone says to you, hey, how's it going? How's life? How's work? And your response is, oh, it is crazy. Life is so busy right now. We've got things going on all over the place. The family's busy. We're going all different directions. And work, don't get me started about work. I've been working for the last three weeks. I haven't had a single day off. Your friend's not gonna bat an eyelid. That's, that's life. That's America. But you imagine if your friend said, hey, how's life? And you're like, oh, it's crazy. Oh, it's so crazy right now. At work, there are these people that are just driving me crazy. They're just really irritating. So I've killed a few of them. Last three weeks, three murders. <laughs> Murdered three different people. But it's a lot better now at work. Things have really calmed down a bit. I think your friend's gonna say, I'm not sure as a follower of Jesus, you should have done that. Follower of Jesus, none of us should do that. Because we've got a problem with that. Why do we question murder, but we have no issue with not having a day off, with not obeying the Sabbath? They're both there. They're both on the 10. But culturally, we look at them differently, don't we? But God doesn't. God doesn't have in those 10, some are maybes, some are definites. They're, they are 10 commandments that he put into place. There is a rhythm that he put into creation when he was creating the heavens and the earth for a day of rest, a Sabbath. In his book, um, Coma describes his Sabbath ritual. Because I think when we look at the Sabbath, we can think of it more as a, a legalistic thing. It's a, a really difficult rule to follow. But actually, God didn't put it in to make it a difficult rule. He actually put it in to liberate us, to set us free, to give us the rest we need. And Coma describes his weekly Sabbath ritual as simply worship and rest. Worship and rest. Everything he and his family do that day has to fall under those two guidelines. And he explains that a Sabbath to him is different than a day off. I mean, let's be honest, most of us, when we take a day off, that's the day when we catch up on the other work we have, the yard work, paying the bills, laundry, homework. That's our day off activities. He explains that he tries to build all those things into the rest of his time during his week so that when he arrives at that day that he set aside to Sabbath, he can truly spend that time in things that just fall under worship and rest. Worship and rest. Now, if you're like me, when I hear that, when I hear him saying, no, on my Sabbath, I'm not gonna do any of those things. I'm gonna try and get that stuff done on the other six days so I can truly, I just think, man, that's just gonna make the other six days even busier. I'm gonna to have to hurry even more on those other six days if I truly want to spend one whole day doing nothing but worship and rest. But I believe that if we'll take this commandment seriously, if we'll understand it's not a rule to tie us down, but actually it's there to liberate us, to help reduce the stress in our lives, to improve our health. If we'll make it a priority to set aside a day each week to worship, and to rest, to focus our attention on God and not the things of this world, if we'll make that a conscious decision, I honestly believe that God can do more in six than we could do in seven. God will do more in six days of our life than we could do in seven. If we'll give God that seventh day, I think he can help us accomplish more in the six days we've, we've got than we could do in our own strength on the seven. Many who practice Sabbath each week, who have made it a priority to take that day to worship and rest each week, could attest to that. 
They would tell you that in my life, I've experienced more I'm getting done in these six days because of the rest and the relaxation and how much more refreshed and healthy I feel because I take a day to rest. But if you need another example, maybe one that we can all relate to this morning, did you know that there are some businesses that have built their whole model around the Sabbath principle? A business that's decided we're gonna take a whole day and we're not gonna work. Can anyone think of one of those businesses? Chick-fil-A. I, I didn't even get a Chick-fil-A, I got a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I mean, they are, they're, they're famous for having a day off. Chick-fil-A is closed on a Sunday. And have you ever noticed that Sunday seems to be the day that you crave a good chicken sandwich the most? I mean, just now I'm talking about it. Some of you are like, oh man, I really would like a Chick-fil-A sandwich right about now. Well, someone is in luck because, oh yes, I went yesterday. It's hot. It's just come out of the oven. It's just been warmed up. And so already hands are going up around the room. Someone is going to get this Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I've actually already decided who because I took a little peek around during worship earlier to see who is here, and I saw one of my friends who sat right here in the middle, and this time next Sunday, she'll be running the Chicago Marathon. So if anyone deserves a Chick-fil-A sandwich, it is Jenny. So Jenny, this is all the energy you've been burning as you've been running the streets. <laughs> You're welcome. And Jenny, the... the the family in front of you, they love Chick-fil-A, so start eating it now so they can smell it. Just kind of waft it in their direction just so they can kind of, kind of smell of what it is they're missing. But someone today is eating Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. It's fantastic. Now, you probably know this, but the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, he made the decision that all of his stores around the country would close on Sunday to honor the Sabbath and to give his employees a day off and the opportunity to rest and to worship. Now, this is really kind of from a business point of view, somewhat of a bad idea, but listen to his thought process behind it. He said, I was not so committed to financial success that I was willing to abandon my principles and priorities. One of the most visible examples of this is our decision to close on Sunday. Our decision to close on Sunday was our way of honoring God and of directing our attention to things that mattered more than our business. I love that. But the truth is, from a business point of view, it's not a good idea. He's actually reducing his revenue opportunity by at least 15%, one out of seven days. And in the fast food industry, Sunday is the highest grossing day for a store to be open. So not only is he closing for one day, he's closing on the best day. That's the day that fast food restaurants traditionally are the busiest. But take a look at the outcome of a report I found done in 2020 to determine which fast food restaurants around the country have the highest sales by individual location. I've left the top one blank because I think you might guess what it's gonna be, but before I tell you the number, I want to show you McDonald's, 2.9 million average per store for the year. In-N-Out Burger, 3.1 million. Whataburger, 3.2 million. Raisin Cane's, 3.8 million. And at the top, Chick-fil-A, Five million, over a million dollars more than number two on the list. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of different business things that may go into this, but I just happen to believe that God can do more in six than we do in seven. And because they've chosen to honor God in this way, I think they see the, the blessing in their business as a result. And they make some great chicken sandwiches. <laughs> 
So as a closing challenge today, I'd like to maybe ask all of us to give this a try. To look what it would be like in our life to, to create space in our week for a Sabbath. I mean, after all, it's one of the 10. Now, I'm guessing some of you are already coming up with reasons in your head why this may or may not work for you, but can I just gently remind you, God rested. Yeah, but I'm not really into the Sabbath. I'm an extrovert. I like to stay busy and do stuff, but, but God rested. Well, I get the Sabbath thing, but you don't understand. The job I work is a demanding job. I love my job. I don't know if I can make the time, but, but God rested. But I've got two little kids at home. It's just not really doable right now. Maybe later when they get, shall I say it once more? God rested. So if God created this rhythm in our creation, maybe he knows that for our physical and emotional and mental and spiritual health, creating time to rest and to worship is a good thing. So let's ask two real practical questions here today. What day? What day should be my Sabbath? Now, it'll be different for everyone because of your, your work, your family commitments. So, so many people will choose Sunday as their Sabbath. It's a very easy day to relax. For me personally, Sunday's not the easiest day to do Sabbath because I'm pretty busy most Sundays. So um, I've chosen a day during the week. Friday is the day that I choose uh, to Sabbath. Coma, in his book, he, uh, he actually follows the biblical model of Sabbath, which is sundown to sundown. So he, uh, one evening, he'll, um, the Sabbath begins and it goes through till the next evening's beginning and that's his, his day. So he says in his book that what he does is that uh, Friday evening, all the family put their phones in a the drawer. They have dinner together. He says, then we'll cook a giant cookie in a pan and put a whole tub of ice cream on it. I'm thinking, hey, this Sabbath don't sound so bad after all. He says, then as a family, we might play a game together or watch a movie. Then Saturday morning, we'll sleep in. I may read the Bible, listen to some worship music, take a walk, just sit looking out the window. He says, I just look for ways throughout the day to worship and to rest. He said, and it's great because then when I feel completely rested, Saturday evening around five o'clock, his Sabbath comes to an end. He takes his phone back out of the drawer turns it back on. And I know some of you here this morning, just the idea of putting your phone in the drawer, let alone keeping it in there for an extended period of time is kind of breaking you into a, a cold sweat here. But that shows how distracted we can be, how tired we can be to notifications. And wouldn't it be great, just maybe, maybe we start out with just a morning or an evening or an evening and then the morning or a morning in the afternoon, however it is, just, just start small, start somewhere. But let's be intentional and say, I want to create some space as a Sabbath. Not to catch up on other jobs, to truly just worship and rest. So the second question, what day? Determine for you what the best day is. Second question, what do I do? What do I then do on that day? If this is my Sabbath, what do I do? Well, I think an easier question to ask is probably what don't I do? Just don't work. Don't worry. Don't stress. Switch off the phone. Don't respond to emails and texts. If you were challenged last week on the message of simplicity, maybe another thing you don't do on your Sabbath is shop. Don't shop. Just ask yourself the question, what can I do on my Sabbath that will help me personally rest and worship? Rest and be aware of God. Rest and think about God. Rest and acknowledge his presence around me and in me. 
because it's going to be different for all of us. It could be walking the dog, watching a movie, taking a nap, listening to worship music, going out as a family, watching the game, eating, reading the Bible, reading a book, going for a run, doing a jigsaw puzzle. Every one of us is different. And every one of us finds rest in different ways. Every one of us finds a connection with God in different ways. Some people like to sit and, and study the Bible. Some people just like to walk in creation and just um, be amazed at God's splendor around us. But anything that helps you switch off and rest and become aware of a God who loves you so much and wants you to be aware of his presence around you. Because he is with you. He's always been with you. The problem is that sometimes we're just so hurried, we don't realize it. And being intentional and saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a day. I'm going to give a portion of a day. I'm going to take some time. And this isn't going to be just a day off. This is going to be Sabbath. This is going to be an intentional time to rest and worship, to enjoy my family, to enjoy my spouse, to enjoy my alone time, whatever it is that you need to do to rest and to worship. But imagine what it would look like if we all tried to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry in our lives. Let's pray. Father, you created the universe with this model in place, this model of a day of rest. And I think it's because you knew in creating us that um, we weren't wired. We weren't, our, our, our bodies, our personalities, our emotions, they weren't designed to just keep going and going and going. When we look at this study done of places around the world, and we know that there is a place here in California where there are people working very hard to keep the Sabbath holy and are living longer, statistically are living up to 10 years longer than the average American. Because God, this is part of how you've created us to, to live our lives. So Lord, help us to remember this is one of the 10. This is, this is something that we should adhere to. This is a good practice for us to take on. And whatever day of the week that is for us, help us to find a day and to set it aside and to use that time to worship and to rest. And I pray, Lord, that we would see the benefits in our life. I pray that we would see the six days even more full. We could accomplish more in the six because we've chosen to give you the seventh. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.